Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have a small discussion with experts, thought leaders and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, today is really a big, big pleasure. I have Jeff Tohos together with me. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Gregorio. Thanks for having me. I'm perfectly fine and I'm looking forward to our discussion. How are you? Good. As uh, also, we had really a nice pre-discussion about diversity, inclusion and other topics. And I think we, I am enough warm to start the discussion and to start this, this podcast together with you. The main topic today will be customer culture. But before we deep dive in the customer culture, let's talk first about you and then later about the European Customer Experience Organization. As usual, I'm always asking the same questions. Could you please introduce yourself, Jeff? Okay, I will. Um, so my name is Jeff. I'm Belgian. Um, and I call myself an energy explorer in the uh, field, the overlapping field where customer behavior organizational readiness and technology meet. So if you look at the Venn diagram, you have three circles. One is the behavior, one is the organizational readiness, the other is the technology. And when, where they overlap, there, there's, a, there's always a friction there because we have naturally conflicting interests between customer behavior and uh, organizational readiness and technology keeps pushing both of them, not necessarily in the same direction. So. With that energy field created, uh, we can do two things. We can use that energy to everybody's advantage, or we can just undergo that energy and let it go to waste. So I'm much in favor of not letting it go to waste. So basically, uh, I do that. Um, I've been doing that for, for a very long time. Um, and as of late, I've uh, been viewing this in the context of sustainability because uh, you see also on top of my head, my head, Imagineering Planet and People First businesses. Um, we haven't been treating our, uh, our planet right. Um, so we have to look at, through that lens as well. But that's basically what I do. Um, I do 80% of that uh, working in the field with clients and about 20%, 30% of my time is dedicated to research about it. Thank you very much for the short introduction and perhaps also to mention that Rain's group, could you also please share one your insight about what, what is the company and where is the name coming? Because I think it was really interesting as you shared that with me. Okay, well, Rain's group is, um, there's no fantastic story behind it. Rain's is literally the translation of my surname, Teugels, in English. So it's the, the Rain's that you use to steer your horse, that's Reigns and Reigns Group because I have a couple of other small companies. Uh, one is an application development company, other one is the, what I call a digital agency and they are part of, of the Reigns Group. And what the Reigns Group does is it brings creators, people with very good ideas but who do not often have the funding to really develop their, their ideas up bringing them together with impact investors. That's mainly uh, the goal of, uh, of Rain's group. 
And this is, I think, an extremely important match because there are quite a lot of good or great ideas on the market. And uh, these ideas need to be implemented first, and then we need to find customer for, for them. Absolutely. And that brings us straight to the customer because, um, like one of my, my gurus, um, Peter Drucker, said, it is ultimately the customer who decides what a business is, what a business does, and whether it will prosper, yes or no. And if we look at startups, 80% of startups fail because of timing, of being too early in the markets, uh, being too early for the customers. So customers play an extremely important role with it. And I think now it's the perfect way to go to the European Customer Experience Organization. It's the perfect point in time to discuss about it. And I know that you are one of the ambassador of the European Customer Experience Organization. Why did you decide to participate? Um, first of all, I'm very privileged that, um, that I've been chosen as an ambassador. Um, why did I participate? For one reason, and that is that the view of um, European customer experience organization is holistic. And I believe that you, you have to look at customer experience in a holistic way because it permeates everything that a company does. And, and if you refer back to uh, of, or think back to the three circles or spheres I described, customer experience is in all of those three. And customer experience, whether we design it or we don't design it, it's always there. But uh, the European Customer Experience Organization, organization looks at it in, in this really holistic way and, and, and dissects all the different disciplines that are needed in there and is trying to uplift the knowledge that we have and the quality of our knowledge that we have. And that's, that's the main reason why I joined them and I support them so much. Thank you, and it, it makes totally sense. And as usual, fully transparency, I'm also a member of this of the European Customer Experience Organization. And please have a look, think about the opportunity that I have to discuss with people like you, Jeff, and get a lot of know-how, ex exchanging ideas, and always ensuring that even if we have different point of views, that we accept our point of views and we discuss about it. And what I find out or what we are finding out, it's really, it's extremely fast growing. From your point of view, why, let's say, are we growing so fast or the European Customer Experience Organization is growing so fast? I think it's growing fast because um, well, it, it came over from the US, like so many things came over from the US, but I think uh, we needed that European touch on it. But um, one of the, the major reasons why we grow so fast is I think we are relevant for a lot of people working in companies who find it difficult to differentiate their offering on a purely product level. So if, if we have three products or five products and they're actually all the same um, technically or what features they have, et cetera, what really sets the thing apart or makes a customer choose for your uh, product is the experience that's around it. So there is a, there is a, a competitional field called experience on that uh, and i think that because of there's there's an avalanche of products and services available so how do you differentiate yourself and i think that explains why why we are growing so fast because we tend 
to speak to a need. We address a problem that's out there. And frankly, um, we must be more knowledgeable still about uh, customer experience. Although customer experience is, has been around since the first customer, the way we look at it now as a competitive advantage is, is relatively new. It makes completely, completely sense. And as you are saying, or making the exact same example in the digital world, the competition is one click far away. And if you differentiate yourself only with the product, then it's quite easy to switch. But if you are offering, let's say, outstanding, better experiences, then it's, 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 it's different. And I think it's really great and nice to be part of the European Customer Experience Organization. And what it's important always to mention is if you want to join the, the community, feel free to do that. And it's not feel free, but it's also free of charge. You can have a look at, and then you, you can taste us, taste the community, and you will see that, uh, that you will have quite a lot of uh, additional value added that you can leverage in your company, in your business, in your industry, because at the end, what I really like also is the diversity of all these different countries and now also coming to our main parts the different cultures and what we would like or i would like to discuss with you it's about a customer culture before we we start discussing about digital physical home office and not home office because we could discuss hours how do you define culture in a company um culture in a company is actually the the shared beliefs, norms, values, behaviors that are exhibited within the company. Um, and they're twofold. Um, you know the expression, uh, uh, walk your talk. Um, your, your talk is actually uh, the values that you espouse and your walk is the values in use, put it like that. So there is always a customer culture. Just like I said, there is always a customer experience. There is always a customer culture. No, sorry, there's always a culture not necessarily a customer culture. So that means that you can have uh, a culture by default or a culture by design. Now we're getting into the culture by design and let me explain what a customer culture is. The, the term customer culture is actually framed by Dr. Lyndon Brown and uh, Chris Brown, who've um, published in 2015 their award-winning book, uh, The Customer Culture Imperative. And there's a really scientific research that preceded that book where uh, Dr. Lyndon Brown said, what, 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 does it, what do some companies do differently than others? Why do they succeed in, in uh, a tough market where everybody's suffering and then there's a company succeeding in that? Why is that? So he, that sort of triggered his research and he found out that there is something like a customer culture. Now, a customer culture is a form of organizational culture. Um, to put it simply, uh, a customer culture is a culture in which every employee believes that what is best for the customer is best for the company and ultimately best for him or herself. Um, that is the, the populist uh, definition of, of customer culture, so and to speak. And I think this is this is relevant and also elaborating on what you are saying. I think you already put the, the most important parts because it's about the employees taking care of the customer and the customer, let's say, taking care of the shareholders or the, 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 the owner of the company. There are quite a lot of definition around uh, 
customer culture or culture in a company. One of the, let's say, most funniest from, from my point of view is the one saying that it's how employees behave when the managers are not there. And at the end, it's exactly what, what you were saying. And, and I think it's key and to, to add something and then come to, to the next question, why is also important to have the customer part of the culture? Because without customer, there is no business. At the end, our salaries as employees are paid by our customer. If we are in the B2B world or in the B2C world, at the end, there is a customer because we are selling products, services, or experiences to this, uh, this customer. And, and, and therefore, we are explaining why it's, it's, it's really relevant. Before we, we deep dive into that, do you have perhaps some really good examples of best-in-class uh, customer-based cultures? Yeah, there is, there is actually one. Um, it's an airliner called Air New Zealand. And Air New Zealand was in big trouble a couple of, some years ago, um, really on, on the brink of bankruptcy. And they brought in a new CEO and he gathered all the people around and he asked all the employees, what, did, what do we actually do? What does Air New Zealand do? And the response was, well, we fly airplanes. And he, the new CEO said, no, we don't. We fly people. And that is a complete different mindset. Yes, you transport people via air, via airplanes, but what you do is you fly people. And Air New Zealand made a complete turnaround. It's now a very profitable company. So it is relating to the human. The customer is always human. And it's, it's relating to that and having people relating to that. Um, so that, that, that for me is a very good example of what the real uh, customer culture is and how it can be designed. Thank you very much. And as you said, you're speaking about designing a culture. And therefore, I would have 20 questions, but let's start with the, with the first one. Which are the key ingredients to define this culture? Um, the key ingredients uh, from a customer culture or for a customer culture, there are eight, actually. And uh, Dr. Brown calls them disciplines. So we have eight disciplines. Five are external drivers and three are internal enablers. And they're going to sound very easy. Uh, the first external driver is customer insight. And it is what do we know about our current customers? How well do we know them? Who are they? And it's not just the marketing or sales department knowing them. How many people within our company know these customers? Because like you said earlier, uh, Gregorio, uh, our customers pay our salaries. So what, what do you know about the person or the persons who pay your salaries, even if you're working in the warehouse or if you're working in finance, etc.? The second is customer foresight. What do we know about where our customers are evolving to or who will be our new customers? And then the third is competitor insight. Who are our current competitors? The fourth is competitor foresight, which are the competitors that we should see, but we don't see yet. And the fifth and last external driver is what's called peripheral vision. 
That is a term coined by uh, Professor George Day from Wharton. Uh, he also wrote a very interesting book about it, but this, we talked about customers, we talked about competition, peripheral vision is what's, what's happening in the broader environment. You can look at it as a sort of the pestle analysis, what's happening on political, ecological, economical, legal, social and technological um, fields that pertain to, to our business uh, and our markets. So those are the five external drivers. The three internal enablers are, first of all, empowerment. And that is, to what extent is an employee empowered to make a decision that is good for the customer? And remember, customer culture says, whatever is good for the customer is good for the company. So to what extent is an employee empowered to make a decision that's good for the company without having to go up the ladder and ask for permission? It's a very important one. The second um, internal enabler is cross-functional collaboration. And like I said, all these insights and foresights, they must be shared throughout, uh, throughout the company, throughout all the departments of the companies. And we tend to silo things. Uh, but if that information about customer flows through and there is a joint collaboration, um, for servicing the customer, that is one of the uh, this, that's the second uh, internal enabler, and the third internal enabler is strategic alignment, which is to what extent are the employees aligned with the strategy of the company? So, and those eight disciplines um, are measurable, and that's what Dr. Lyndon Brown uh, then found out. I really like them, and uh, based on my previous studies, I would say it's pretty aligned also with the four forces of Porter, yep. uh, and 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 it, it it makes totally sense. I think for for the audience, perhaps to make that tangible, we spoke about uh, customer, we spoke about competitors, and what is everything around that, and then we we spoke about these three internal enablers, um, empowerment. Uh, cross-functional collaboration, and the last one is strategic alignment. And do you have perhaps some some examples? It's it's not relevant which company, but how it is possible to implement them. Because I think it's important to say we can design that, but as long as it's only on paper, it doesn't move move the needle. Nope. You need to implement that. And then when we dis after discussing the implementation, perhaps we could also discuss about how to keep it running. Yeah. Um, do you have some, some example how to implement it? Um, it starts with measuring it. So um, since culture is expressed in behavior, you can, you can watch and observe the behavior. And um, market culture is the firm of uh, Dr. Lynn Brown developed what they call the market responsiveness index. It's a benchmark of your performance in those eight disciplines against some of the top uh, customer-centric companies in the world. So the first thing is to benchmark it. How strong is your customer culture? How strong are you in, in each of the eight disciplines? And it shows strengths and it shows weaknesses. Um, it might be that you don't know anything about or that you score very low in customer insights, but you score high in customer or competitor insights then you're not paying attention to your customer, but you're looking at what your competition is doing. 
So it might be out of fear of, I don't know what, but you first measure it. You, you, you put actually uh, a baseline, the zero measurement. And then you start implementing is, well, first, then you choose maximum two disciplines to work on in, in 90 days. So you can get some quick wins. Um, and let's say, for instance, strategic uh, or uh, competitive, no, let me say, uh, customer insights scores low. What are you going to do in those 90 days to increase your score in there? And for instance, a customer immersion program throughout the company is, is one of the best practices in there. If you score low, for instance, in strategic alignment, uh, then it might be worthwhile uh, of, of explaining to everybody what's, what the company's strategic direction is because it hasn't been really either understood or accepted. And we come back to culture. Culture can break that. Yeah. And, and I think it, it makes totally sense. And basically, perhaps only to make that understandable for me, but also for the audience. You, yeah. you used the example of a strategic alignment. And you said, if you score low, then you should explain the strategic uh, views, the strategic roadmap, and then you can score a bit, a bit uh, then you would score higher. First of all, do you measure it in a subjective way, asking people, or in a, in a quantitative way? It's, um, it is actually a, a survey that you take um, where you answer questions on how you behave and you score that behavior on a scale from one to seven. So for instance, do you and your team regularly meet to discuss strategic uh, objectives and the progress towards them? If you say, well, we don't do that, then you score very low. Okay, and that's the way it's measured. Yeah. Um, but the important thing is in, in the MRI, uh, with, a, with a little wink to the medical thing, because what you do is actually you take a picture, is for each discipline, there is a set of 10 questions, but there is also an 11th question, which is an open-ended question. So there we go into the qualitative, where the employee who fills out the survey um, totally anonymously can say in his or her own words what could be done better or what is going wrong. And that gives a wealth of information, very, very rich information on what you can do, what actions you can take. Thank you. Now it's, it's, it's really better understandable how to measure that. And uh, again, back to this, uh, to this example of strategic alignment, if you score low, then you mentioned, for example, that, that uh, team leads should share that. Do you have also perhaps a best practice how to share the new strategic roadmap? It's not only about town halls and, uh, and making nice pictures, but perhaps we have some additional insights in that. It's actually to have some additional insights on that. And like I say, town halls are fine and, and pictures are fine, but it doesn't really, you have to immerse also your, your employees into that. They have to, they are part of moving the company towards that strategic uh, goal, which is preferably in line with the strategic goals of your customers, um, in, especially in B2B, but in B2C, uh, people also have their uh, objectives and, and their goals. So that is one, one question. 
uh, that is one issue that you have to raise. I can give an example without naming the company uh, who scored extremely high in empowerment and extremely low in strategic alignment. Now, you're very much empowered to do what's best for the customer, but you score very low on strategic alignment. And what was the case there is that um, that was a company who outsources its staff. So yeah, they were empowered to do because they were into the office, they were in the office of, of the customers doing their job and, and actually also becoming part of the DNA of, of their clients. But they weren't in the office enough, or in these times they weren't discussing enough. They saw them one, they saw each other once every three months or something. Thank so you very much. Increasing just the communication and the frequency of the communication increased the strategic alignment. Thank you. It, it makes totally sense. And I think this is one of the important learnings on quite a lot of topics is communicate, 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 not only once, but, but several times. The last question I would last, like to ask on customer culture. And this is the question that I often err, but nobody's really answering it there, or there are not really good answer on that and i want to challenge you a bit we are now in a remote working um, environment most of the people work from home let's say everybody's really really happy and perhaps i'm saying something that not everybody will like but uh, a lot of companies are saying productivity is increasing yes it's increasing because people work longer hours instead to have two hours or one hour to travel to, to to work they start working early they finish working later and therefore the productivity increase but i think it's less about productivity it's really about culture if i'm working from home I have my desk, I have my computer, I, I have lunch, let's say, together with my family or alone. How is it possible to progress, to steer, to create and to keep a real company culture? Because I also personally, I am feeling less from my company because I am working from home. What's your view on that? Um, first, the productivity rise that we saw in the beginning is over. That's going down because we are all suffering from Zoom fatigue. Um, and yes, um, that was very good news for uh, the executives, but it's less good news for the well-being of the employee, uh, and then ultimately for the well-being of, uh, of the uh, of the customer. Now, since a culture is, you belong to a culture. And you have that feeling that I belong to that culture. I belong to these values. Uh, they're my values. I can live with them. Um, and then it depends a little bit, in my opinion, on your own character, your personal character. Um, do I need those physical contacts, contacts? Or am I better off and more productive at home? And if I see people on Zoom, like we are seeing each other now, is that for me sufficient? Um, I guess for a lot of people it is, but there are people who really need that, uh, that physical contact. The major thing is, even if you're staying at home all the time, or you go to the office once in a while, is to keep feeding and building on that culture. Because your culture is always evolving at the same time. 
So it's keeping people informed um, and and engaged. And that's something that we talked in in while we were pre-discussing this thing. Um, the engagement levels in Europe of employees are, ex are extremely low. And especially here in Belgium, where I am, uh, I know that my heart latest Gallup says that we have 10% of engaged employees. That means 90% are not engaged. Are they productive? They, no, um, they show up at eight and stop at five. Uh, whether they're doing this uh, at home or at work, they might be at work physically, but not mentally. Um, now, are these people disengaged? Yes and no. They are disengaged at work, but they might be very engaged after work. So they're actually very smart. Uh, like a friend of mine, Dr. Olaf Herman says, they're smart people. They're just going in economy mode. I'm showing up, I'm doing the minimum what's expected of me to do, and then I can go home and use all my passion and energy to do what I really like to do. Um, then you have a problem, of course. But with 90% of employees uh, being in the, in the not engaged category, um, that means you have something wrong in your culture as well, because you're not reaching them. Exactly, and I think this is this is really the key because also to to explain that I I'm I worked a lot in transformation. It's quite easy to set up a transformation program, setting goals, achieving the targets, but it's important to keep this culture up and running. And therefore, it's everyday effort that make the difference because every day you need to repeat, explain, share all your ideas. It's not the first six months, 18 months of trying to implement a customer-centric yep. uh, transformation. It's really about keeping that up and keeping the, the workforce motivated, engaged, because if they are not engaged, then let's stop speaking about uh, outstanding experiences, wow moments and all this stuff. Because if you are not engaged, you are not passionate about what you are doing, then uh, you feel that and you see that. Absolutely, and there's a simple question and the responsibility and accountability for the employee as well. If you stop your, your days at the end, you go home and you have a moment of reflection and you just think to yourself, have I contributed today to that overall goal that we have? What has been my contribution today to that? Have I contributed, yes or no? If the answer is no, you might do some soul searching um, for that. If the answer is yes, fine. You know you have contributed, but you have to also allow your employees to have that sort of reflection. Um, and then that is, that is massaging and bringing your culture to life. Yes, and uh, sorry, this is something that I need to mention exactly what you were saying. That's one of the first things that I learned at, with my first employer, it was Accenture. A senior partner came to us, really junior analyst, and they told us, uh, he told us, you should think, Every evening that you walk home from your customer, the following question, think about the question, was I worth, was I creating value for my customer in the amount of what I cost to the, to the company? Because, you know, external consultants are often expensive yeah. and therefore phrased in a, in a consult from a consulting point of view, 
was really was I really the value that my customer are expecting? And I think that this is really great. I love this discussion. I we could discuss hours about it. I really like it. But I think also to value and having a proper culture and to value your time. Let's go to the next phase of this of this podcast. Um, Jeff. Is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience, perhaps related to what we discussed or something different that you are saying, this is something I suggest to the audience to read? Um, well, there's, of course, the customer a culture imperative by <laughs> Dr. Brown uh, that I would uh, urge you to read. Um, on, on the topic, Culture themselves, there, there are different books, um, um, but there's not one that comes to my mind that actually jumps out of it. Um, the best book I've, uh, I've read uh, lately is, and I'm going to take a look at it, it's actually a small book and no, you can't see it, so I'll, I'll, I'll read the title to it. It's by Timothy Clark, and it's called The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. And it's about defining the path to inclusion and innovation. And I think everybody should read that book. Thank you because very much. Every, everything we said can only happen if there is a psychological safety for everybody, employees and customers. Sure. Thank you very much, Jeff. It, is, it makes totally sense. And um, if somebody would continue the discussion together with you, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me is through LinkedIn, actually. Just uh, I, I connect with everybody who wants to connect with me. I'm pretty open and I'm always available there and respond in a timely manner. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff. And I will share also in the show notes and the link to your LinkedIn profile. Yep. But you have also the opportunity to connect with Jeff through the ECXO platform. There, Jeff, it's also extremely active. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact him also through this platform. And this is also one of the big value added of the European Customer Experience Organization. You can ask questions and you always get an answer. If, the, if it is the answer that you like, that's a different question, but at least you get an answer. And now the last question, this is always the same question I am asking, is Jeff Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. Could you repeat that? Um... Yes, it's Jeff Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave and to share with the audience at the end of this episode. Um, yes, work on your sensitivity. That's actually a, a task I would like to give everybody. Work on your sensitivity because we all have these, our mouthfuls with diversity and inclusion. Live it, be it. Sense what somebody else is trying to convey or what somebody else is living through. That's actually what I would, would like to do and protect the environment. You know, I'm a big sustainability fan. Thank you very much, Jeff. I'm not commenting your golden nugget because it was Jeff golden nugget. The only thing that I want to say is thank you very much, Jeff, for your time. Thanks for having me, Gerrit Barrio. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, 
spectators join European customer experience organization. If you're in that field, it's free and it's very rich in content. Thank you very much, Jeff. And also from my side, thank you very much to the European Customer Experience Organization for making that happen because it's thanks to the ECXO that I can have such a great uh, discussion. And as the end, as usual, to the audience, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. It was really a great discussion and I think culture, it's really a key ingredient for every business to have a long-term view on, on your business and to achieve your targets and your goals. And therefore, thank you very much. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. Arrivederci, Gregorio. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.